Hi, I'm Joey Rowland, and uh, I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is episode 316 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, if you remember Breaking Bad and the final episode, the song they played was Baby Blue by Badfinger, and Joey Mullen of Badfinger is here this week on On Screen and Beyond. So I hope you're going to be sticking around for that. We're going to be talking about that song, their career, the tragic things that happened to Badfinger, and so much more. It's going to be a lot of fun. They had a lot of great music. We're going to talk about all that. It's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. So stick around for that. And we're going to look at what's coming your way in June as far as releases on TV, movies, and, uh, you know, the whole works, just like we always do. So stick around. It's coming up next, Remake Madness, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. As far as June releases in theaters and remakes, it looks like uh, Jersey Boys finally makes its way from real life to Broadway and to the big screen from director Clint Eastwood telling the story of Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. So uh, if you've seen it on Broadway or, or one of the touring groups, great show. I'm sure it's going to be good on screen. And, of course, Clint Eastwood's doing it, so it's bound to be. That's it for Remake Madness coming your way in June. Not too much, but uh, Upcoming Movies is next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Upcoming new movies coming your way in June. Not a whole lot, but on June 6th, Tom Cruise is attacked by aliens and killed repeatedly in Edge of Tomorrow. you got to think Groundhog Day, but in a war scene, okay, that type of thing. So it sounds interesting, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. That's uh, And that's it. That's the only upcoming new movie that's going to be coming our way in June. Sequels, we got a bunch of them. It's coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City coming your way in June in theaters. It looks like on June 13th, How to Train Your Dragon 2 arrives in theaters. And the boys are back with 22 Jump Street on June 13th. And on June 20th, Think Like a Man 2 heads to Vegas. And Transformers 4, The Age of Extinction, comes our way with Mark Wahlberg. And that's it for Sequel City, coming your way in June in theaters. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, TV on DVD, coming your way in June. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
TV on DVD coming your way in June. Well, on June 3rd, Barnaby Coasts is going to be coming your way. Breaking Bad Complete Series Unlimited and Falling Skies Season 3, Highway to Heaven Season 4, Power Rangers Turbo Volume 2, Pretty Little Liars Season 4, Rawhide Season 8, True Blood Season 6, Walking Dead Limited Edition Seasons 1, 2, and 3. June 10th, you can get the Chisholms, the complete series. Major Crime, Season 2, Perry Mason, the movie collection, double features 1, 2, and 3 will be coming your way. Ray Donovan, Season 1, Resurrection, Season 1, and Rizzoli and Isles, Season 4, and True Detective, Season 1. June 17th, look for House of Cards, Season 2, and Red Shoe Diary, Season 1, along with Wilfred, Season 3. June 24th, The Bridges, Season 1, I Spy, the complete series, Mama's Family, Season 4, My Favorite Martian, Season 1, the Collector's Edition, NYPD Blue, Season 6, and Witches of East End, Season 1. That's it for TV on DVD coming your way in June. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we take a peek at what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD in June. Movies on DVD coming your way in June. June 3rd, you can look for Lone Survivor with Mark Wahlberg. RoboCop with Michael Keaton and Son of God with Roma Downing. June 10th, Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit with Chris Pine. Nonstop with Liam Neeson. And on June 17th, The Grand Budapest Hotel. The Lego Movie with Elizabeth Banks. And on June 24th, 300 Rise of an Empire. And Blood Ties with Mila Kunis. And Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal. And Winter's Tale with Colin Farrell. That's it for Movies on DVD coming your way in June. Next on On Screen and Beyond, I mentioned, of course, in our DVDs that are coming out for TV stuff, that uh, there was going to be a special edition of uh, Breaking Bad, the complete series Unlimited. And, of course, in that series, the final song played on the show was, I hope I'm not ruining this for anybody, but it was uh, Baby Blue by Badfinger. Joey Mullen is coming our way right here on On Screen. We're going to be talking about that song and a whole lot of other great music from Badfinger next. And he's got a new CD out. Look for that. He's next. Joey Mullen right here on On Screen to Beyond. guest today on On Screen and Beyond is a musician who, along with his bandmates of Badfinger, had hits including Come and Get It, No Matter What, Day After Day, and Baby Blue, which many of you may remember and you heard on the final episode of Breaking Bad. His newest album, called Return to Memphis, is now available. It's Joey Milan. Joey, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, hello, and thank you very much. Joey, i got to tell you, I love the music that you have played over the years. It's just great. Well, thanks very much. Uh, it's a great compliment. We're going to talk about your, your new album, because people should know about it. And uh, I'd like to talk, if we can, about uh, your past and how you became a musician and, and all those things, if that's good with you. Absolutely. Fire away. All right. Yeah. Well, let, let's give everybody a little background. Some people are going to remember you from the years that you were with Badfinger, and others sure. will remember you from... You know, just this Breaking Bad thing. Now, Breaking Bad must have brought a lot of attention back to you, correct? It certainly did. Uh, records started to sell. Uh, uh, iTunes number one. Wow. Uh, for about a week all over the world. 
uh, not only in America, the show is really far-reaching, and yet it does a great deal of good in terms of, you know, bringing the music back into the limelight again. Um, it was it was hard in a, in a way. Uh, you know, we'd had all, we'd had a lot of success with Baby Blue when it first came out in the seventies, and uh, you know we, we'd won some awards for it back then. Um, but it was great uh, that they decided to use it. And all of a sudden, here it was, all over the radio again, and downloads of Kimbo and the whole whale going crazy. It was great. <laughs> now, did you know that they were going to use it on that show? Uh, no, I had no idea. Ah, yeah. So it must no have been idea. a surprise. Well, we don't handle in the, the publishing and stuff, and yeah. uh, Apple owns the, uh, the master rights for it, you know, for the version that they used, and... Uh, so uh, it was. It's all done in the in the back rooms. That stuff, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Now, were you a fan of uh, Breaking Bad? Uh, not not particularly. Uh, I'd seen a couple episodes. I didn't think it was a, you know like a bad show or anything. But uh, I wasn't a big fan. As it happened that night, I was making a film of it um, or recording a copy of it for my son, who is a big fan. Of the show, yeah, uh, my youngest son Sean, and so uh, when I when I got the phone call, they told me about it. I was able to go back and have a look at it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> now you mentioned you mentioned your son. Have any of your your children uh, got your talent that you had, your musical talent? Uh, both of them are very musical, although neither of them uh, neither of them are involved in music. Uh, uh, one of them is involved in the construction world, and uh, one is involved in restaurants and stuff. Ah, okay. So different casinos. They're both quite artistic, but neither of them have really pursued it as a career. Yeah. You know? hmm. Now, how about you? How did you start as a musician? Uh, I just uh, was a kid, 11 years old, and I, I heard Elvis on the radio. And uh, for some reason, that turned the switch on in me. And uh, next thing you know, I was learning to play the guitar or teaching myself to play the guitar. And, uh, you know, one thing kind of led to another, really. Um, people saw me playing and asked me to go uh, play with their band. And uh, I went and did that in Liverpool, where I was born. And, uh, you know, before you know it, I was making more money playing the guitar than, than I was uh, working at a regular job. Uh, so yeah. uh, one thing led to another. And I've just had a great time doing it. Um, really enjoyed it all my life. Uh, don't quite understand... Uh, how I got to do what I did, and there are so many great musicians and singers and players and writers around the world. Uh, you, you know, you, you can't help but feel lucky, and yeah, yeah. you know, for some reason. Uh, but I've just loved it. It's been a great bonus to me my whole life. Yeah. Now, Badfinger, you tried out. I, I don't know. Is it audition or tryout or whatever you want to call it? Because um, they were already a group called the Ivies, correct? Yeah, they were already signed to Apple Records. This was uh, 1969, and Apple, of course, started in 68. The Beatles started it, and then uh, started to sign bands. And uh, the Ivies were one of the first bands they did sign. And um, and then they were signed to the record label, uh, you know, uh, uh, as a performer, as a recording act. And... Um, you know, they made an, they actually made an album under the name The Ivies called Maybe Tomorrow, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, which was released, I think, in 1968 or early 69. And then uh, it didn't do very well, uh, perhaps a little bit in Europe, but nowhere else in the world. 
but but it didn't do very well, and so uh, you know the, um, they started. You know they just were gigging around England, and then uh, Paul had that song "Come and Get It." Mm. Paul McCartney had written it for Ringo's uh, uh, thing, yeah, film, and uh, he decided he was going to give that to the Ivies and uh, produce it for them and make a hit record for them. So Jeez. it was a wonderful break that they got, and for me. A, a remarkable thing happened. Uh, the bass player, uh, after they recorded Come and Get It, but before the record came out, the bass player was fired from the band, a uh, fellow named Ron Griffith, and um, they decided uh, to look for a guitar player, and, and the guitar player in the Ivies, Tommy Evans, decided he was going to play bass. And so they started to look for a guitar player, and fortunately for me, the guitar, I, I, you know, it turned out to be I was the guitar player. So wow, <laughs> yeah, it was really lucky. You know, a, you know, a good friend of mine, a bass player from Liverpool, um, pretty famous guy named Billy Kinsley. Uh, he was with a group called the Mersey Beats, who had a bunch of hits and mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, um, they'd broken up, and uh, he really liked the Ivies. And when he heard the bass player had been fired, he went for the job. You know, he wanted to join them, mm -hmm. and that's when they well, that's when they said, "Well, we're not going to have a bass player. We're going to get a guitar player in because Tommy's going to play bass." And uh, it was Billy who suggested that they call me. Wow! And uh, so you know, little circles, little small worlds, and things, and all of a sudden, I was auditioning for them, and I got the job. Wow! Which was uh, which is great for me. Yeah, yeah, that must have been a thrill to be to be involved with that. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, you know, these guys were working with the Beatles. Paul had produced that single for them. And they, uh, like I say, it hadn't come out yet. Uh, so here I was, uh, you know, joining a band that had a record written and produced by Paul McCartney, ready to come out. Right. You know, so. It doesn't get any better than that, that's for sure. <laughs> and yeah, it was certainly a foot in the door, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good start, that's for sure. Jeez. Oh, yeah. The songs that you came out with after that song sounded very much like the Beatles. A lot of people were thinking, you know, it was the Beatles and things like that. Was that good for the group, you think, or bad for the group? I think it was, uh, you know, I don't think it hurt the band. Uh, um, it was a little bit, I don't know, it was a bit much at times, you know, like we were copying them or something. Right, yeah. Uh, but the fact was we'd grown up, Tommy and I uh, grew up in Liverpool, uh, and we were about maybe two years, three years behind the Beatles, that we'd gone to all the same music stores, listened to the same radio, uh, 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 you know, listened to the same records, uh, played all the same clubs to all the same audiences. <laughs> you know, um, we, had, we had all the same upbringing that those guys had, so the music was going to be similar no matter what happened. Right. Um, and and uh, it just turned out that way. And, and you know what? Uh, when I listen to the records, I never they don't sound like the Beatles to me. The style is similar, I suppose. Mm -hmm, yeah. But I think that's a dead natural thing, and I certainly don't think we were alone in those days. Yeah. Uh, oh, of, yeah. Were... Of what the band sounded like, the producers, the studios, uh, uh, all were working in those pockets. And, you know, even the Rolling Stones made records that sound like the Beatles. Right, you know? yeah. So, yeah, it didn't bother us that much. Uh, sometimes if people would go on about it, it would, but never really freaked us out or anything. Yeah. Now, I mean, you guys had a string of hits that were just 
great classic hits, uh, you know, day after day, no matter what, and of course, Baby Blue. Were you guys all just writing your own music at that time? Oh yeah, yeah. That was the the uh, the whole aim of the band. Really, was to write their own songs. Um, the Bill Bill, the personal manager, Bill at Collins, uh, was a great champion of writing your own stuff, and so he really encouraged the band to do it. Um, I was already writing songs when I joined the band, uh, and I'd, I'd written you know songs for uh, bands that I'd been in before that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I was no stranger to that way. I think maybe that's one of the reasons they got me in the band, uh, because I'd had a bit of a history of doing that. Um, So, uh, you know, it was just what we did. Uh, Peter happened to come up with those those three particular tunes you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but no matter what was the first song I ever recorded with the band. Yeah, that was a great, Uh, great song. Great song. Just a great tune, and it turned out to be a real standard in terms of. Uh, power pop music, uh, uh, if you like to call it that, mm-hmm. yep. uh, and the same with ba- with Baby Blue. Really, Baby Blue is one of the great rock band songs I think uh, that anybody ever wrote. Mm. Um, yeah, we- so yeah, we did get lucky. Pete got real hot at the time, uh, um, and then we, you know, we were all writing songs, and uh, we had plenty of songs to do. So. Uh, we were, I guess, just lucky. We just got it at the right time, I think, for us. Yeah, the other songs that other artists have done over the years, Mariah Carey and Harry Nielsen both did it without you. And, sure. Uh, you know, it's... it's oh, yeah. And, but but the, of all the albums that you guys did, and, and I, I have them all and I enjoy them all, but to me, the one that is just a, a fantastic album is Straight Up. Yeah, it's a lovely sounding record. That yeah. There's not a there's not a you know a clunker in there. <laughs> I mean, they're well, just we did our best. That's for sure. Oh know? yeah, just great songs. Yeah. And then of course Todd and George produced that record, and uh, Todd Runkren, uh, George Harrison, uh, um, both did production work on the album. It was uh, it was great. Uh, they both did such a great job. Uh, Todd ended up doing the whole mix, I believe, and uh, just a great record. It, Still sells today, yeah. Um, and I'm glad you, I'm glad to hear you say you like that. It's not my favorite Badfinger record, but I do really enjoy it when I hear it. Yeah, really. What was what, what's your favorite Badfinger album? Um, well, I, I shouldn't say it's not because sometimes it is. But my my current favorite is a, uh, is the first Warner Brothers album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the openness of the sound, and there are things about the songs that I enjoy. And, uh, uh, just, uh, uh, I think it's a good, real, good, good little record. Yeah. Well, with that, like I was saying on Straight Up, the, the, there were just so many other songs. I mean, of course, there was the, the ones that were released as singles that were great. But uh, you look at other songs like Suitcase. Oh yeah. Great song. Yeah, Suitcase was going to be a single. Uh, uh, George rearranged it and did a whole number on it. Uh, and thanks very much. Thanks for the great compliment. Yeah. And, and- uh, it's always gone down well. We do play it on stage. The original lineup of the band, we played it on stage. Uh, um, yeah, it was good. It was a good, good little tune. Everybody liked it. I was surprised because it was such a little, simple little song, you know. Mm. Now, you wrote that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah. Great song, that one. And uh, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Uh, Better Days? Better Days, I wrote that on, uh, that was on... Um, the No Dice album, the yeah. No Dice, yeah. I wrote, I wrote Better Days for uh, uh, for Elvis. Um, Tommy had uh, 
Tommy and I were doing a bit of a songwriting session at the house where we all lived. Uh, and uh, Tommy nipped down the road to pick up some Chinese. <laughs> and while he was out, I wrote Better Days, uh, um, a little tune, and I'm glad you like it. Yeah. Did those we just do it today? We still do it on stage today. Oh yeah, geez, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Now, do those just come to your, you know, come to your head, or did you have to work, you know, for days and weeks and trying to figure out the lyrics and the sound and everything? Yeah, or? Some, sometimes they do better days. I wrote it in about half an hour. Really? Wow. Uh, yeah, it didn't take long at all. Uh, um, you know, still, you know, it just they just came. Suitcase didn't take a long time. Uh, it was only a couple of verses, I think, three verses and a bridge. It took like, a, you know, it didn't take long to do it. And the ideas tend to come to me. I don't tend to go, like, searching for them, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, and I don't go, oh, I want to write a song about this, or I want to write a song about that. You know, I get an idea, and then slowly I'll realize what the idea is about, and then I'll pursue it, hmm. you know? Jeez, yeah, it's amazing how you do that. <laughs> I'm just overwhelmed at how you can come up with music like that. Just, just. It fascinates me, the, the whole thing. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing that we can start out... Uh, and end up with something that actually didn't exist right, yeah. a few hours ago. Yeah. You know, it's actually like a brand new thing all on its own, you know. Yeah, geez. It really is something. And the records are the same, the actual, when you record them. You know, you start out with silence. Right. <laughs> There's nothing on that tape, you know. Yeah. And you end up with this little magic thing that happens, or you hope so, you know. Of course, you guys broke up and... and uh, Things happened, and, and, and I mean, it's it's really tragic what happened to the to Badfinger. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it would make a fantastic movie. They they should make a yeah, movie. Yeah, people have, people have said that to me, and it's kind of like uh, Badfinger's become a bit of a poster boy for that. Uh, um, you know, the exploitation of rock bands and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's almost it's almost legal to exploit rock bands and rock musicians. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem like anybody ever went to jail for ripping off a rock band. Yeah, yeah, you hear that so much. I mean, and you guys got hit by the studios, you got hit by the management, you got, I mean, you guys were just getting thrown around all over the place. Oh, yeah, yeah, we got to, we, we got told the records were thrown in the dumpster, uh, um, just uh, trashed. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, you know, Pete and Tommy uh, uh, ended up committing suicide, like, but... Yeah, that's uh, a shame. Um, you know, it, it as sad as, it, as sad as it is, it's, it happens to a lot of a lot of musicians, a lot of artists. Mm -hmm. They just get exploited. Uh, most of most of us, uh, and I, uh, you know, uh, most of us get in those positions because we don't know anything about business. I'm a, I'm a very trusting artist and musicians uh, are very trusting people. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you know, not a hundred percent, but the, I think the exceptions are just. The exceptions that prove the rule. Uh, most musicians are very generous people uh, and, and, and sweethearted people that I know, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, we do get taken advantage of, and uh, unfortunately, society doesn't really um, doesn't really try and protect. Uh, there isn't very much protection for artists right. against it, yeah. even now. Uh, corporations that make a lot of or most of their money from music don't want to pay royalties. Right, yeah. They argue. They've got lobbyists in, in Washington lobbying against 
paying uh, authors and uh, writers and musicians and performers. See, that's wrong. That's wrong. I, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Believe me, uh, you know, you do do your work and uh, you do work hard. Oh, yeah. You have to work hard. You know, they, they want the best. People want the best. <laughs> mm, yeah. So uh, it's a very difficult world for a musician right now, and it has been for many years. Yeah, yeah. I had. Uh, we shall see. Hopefully, it'll change in the future. Yeah, I had Tommy James. I don't know if you remember Tommy James and the Shondells. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and Tommy was on the show, and he was talking about that. How the he was involved. Well, not him, but the, the mob was involved with the record company that they were. He was dealing with, and they were basically told, "Do this or or else." <laughs> you know? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah I can believe it. Um, you know, I, I would hesitate to say that that was the case in our in our in our uh, in our experience. The, the uh, although the guy that managed our company in New York was affiliated uh, uh, with corruption and uh, illegalities in in the actual legal world, uh, uh, he was a he was a judge's attorney. We found this out years later. Oh. He was an attorney for the judge that was accused of corruption. Mm-hmm. And he was accused of being the guy who brought the money and the bribes to the judge. Uh, we uh, we had no idea when we signed with him that that was his history. But right, yep. Uh, that's, a, that's a fact. Hmm. Yeah, so you know, much. He was, not, he was an actual crook. Um, it's, it is amazing. It, it is rampant. Yeah, and it's rampant. too bad because, you know, you guys were so talented. And you, you know, you should have been not worrying about that and just working on your craft. And that's, you know, well, that's what the, that's where the, that's how they take advantage of us. Yeah. Because that's what we do spend our time thinking about. Right. Yeah. You know, we think about, you know, guitars, songs, beats, uh, um, great players, other great artists that you're watching, uh, who are really kind of like your competition. You know, it's a friendly competition, but, right. but still. You know, you, you, you're trying to you're trying to stay a little bit ahead of the game. You're trying to do things that are orig- that are, are original. Uh, that they're the things that concern a musician and an artist, uh, not not where the money is. Yeah. You know, once once you've made those decisions, you kind of forget about it. You know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, what, what was your thoughts of... The first time you were in the studio, and all of a sudden George Harrison or Paul McCartney or one of the other Beatles come into the studio, were you, you know, were you in awe of them? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, who, who in those days, especially, right, uh, wouldn't be in awe of seeing a Beatle? Um, I was. Uh, it was very difficult to, uh, to 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 relate to them talking wise. You know, just relax and say hello. Right. You know what I mean? Because you were excited, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, at the same time, they were really sweet people, very normal, not like, um, not not with entourages, not not like rock stars in the sense that, you know, they'd be dressed in their gear. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. They, yeah. they just they dressed just like you and me, and, and uh, they were they were interested in that kind of stuff. Where'd you get that jacket? You know what I mean? Wow. So, <laughs> regular, very regular guys, uh, uh, and at the same time, of course, they were Beatles. They they had all this experience and a lot of knowledge uh, that they'd accumulated over those years, uh, and they were very willing to share this with you. Uh, you know, when we were making the record with George, you were talking about. He was like, he just came and he bought his own guitar, you know, carried his own guitar in and his own little amp and plugged himself in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't have roadies doing stuff for him. He just did it himself and drove himself. Uh, and then he was, you know, he, it was like he joined the band. Yeah, just sitting down and jamming with you. That's exactly right. And wow. he would actually ask if you minded if he played some guitar on this. <laughs> I'm serious, he would actually ask, because he would feel like he was intruding on what you do. Yeah, yeah, wow. Even though he was George Harrison, and of course he could intrude whatever he liked. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, nobody would say, but he actually did ask and made a point of it. Oh, that's nice. You know, do you mind if I do this? Like, he played slide on, on day after day, yeah? Mm-hmm, yep. Uh, played slide along with, well, Pete and I were in the studio working out the slide parts. Because uh, both he and I played slide. Yep. And uh, um, George came in, and uh, you know he just kind of stuck his head around the door, you know, and said, "Hey, uh, do you think it'd be cool if I played a bit of slide on this?" <laughs> and uh, so I took my guitar off right away and said, "Go ahead, here you go." I don't blame you. <laughs> I'm so you know I'm serious, and, and it wasn't uh, there was no pressure in it. It was for me. Uh, it was a great pleasure. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Here you go. You go do it. Yeah, you do the hours of work because it was going to take four or five hours to do this. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, you know. Anyway, so uh, that's what they were like about it. Uh, um, you know, when we played with John, he was the same. He didn't tell us what to play or how to play. You know, he figured we we knew what to play and we knew how to play. Yeah. And so he just showed us the song. Hmm. You know? Jeez. Now, you continued a friendship with them because you played in, uh, like, George's uh, concert for Bangladesh, right? Oh, sure. Yet after that initial, after the initial contact is made, they were very nice. Uh, they were very nice to us. If they saw you anywhere, they'd, they'd stop and say, hello, how are you? Uh, um, you know, they were really sweet. George called us one night. He called our house uh, in London. And uh, my wife, Kathy, and myself were the only ones who were in. And uh, he, he said, uh, who's this? I said, it's Joey. He said, Joey, do you want to go and see the band with us tonight? And I, I said, yeah, I'd love to. And uh, he said, well, look, you and Kathy meet me outside the, uh, meet me at the Albert Hall. And we met, met him, and uh, we went and saw the band with him that night. Wow. You know, he had a couple of spare tickets. Yeah. And he just gave us a call. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Now, after you left the band and all the trouble that there was, you came back with Badfinger again in the uh, 80s or 79, 80 time period. And you had uh, songs like uh, Love is Gonna Come at Last, which is a great tune, and Hold On in the 81. Uh, uh, what made you decide to come back and, and get the band well, back together? What actually happened was I was living in Los Angeles. And I, I was I was jamming with a couple of guys from Chicago, full name Joe Tanson or Joe Tansini, and a drummer named Kenny Hark. Uh, 
Uh, and we needed a bass player. We just simply didn't have a bass player. So I called Tommy and asked him what he was doing. And he wasn't doing anything. He was hanging around in, in London. And so uh, I told him I'd met this fellow, Joe, who wrote good songs. And I was working with him out there. And we were looking for a bass player. So he asked me to send him a tape. So I sent him a tape of some songs that we had. And he liked them. And he flew over to uh, L.A. And we, started, and we started to rehearse. Tommy had some beautiful songs uh, uh, that he brought with him. Um, Lost Inside Your Love was one of them, oh, I remember. Yeah. Sail nice. Away. Uh, and these were great Tommy Evans tunes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he came and joined the band, and we started to rehearse. We did some demos, and we shopped them around. And uh, one of the places we went was Electra Asylum, and they loved it. Uh, uh, Steve Wax. He loved it. He loved the sound. And he said, you know, when Tommy and you sing together, uh, uh, me and me, me uh, when Tommy and I sang together, uh, it sounded like Badfinger. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Tommy was the, like the vocal sound of Badfinger, really, uh, I think. And um, he said, why don't you call the band Badfinger? It sounds just like Badfinger. So, you know, you guys were both in the band. And Tommy and I were a bit leery of it, really. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, it was a bit close to us, but mm. we, we ended up going along with it and agreeing with it, and they, it came out under the name Badfinger. But it, the, the point I'm making is that it really wasn't our intention to reform Badfinger at that time. Mm-hmm. It was just uh, a thing that came along and was suggested, and when we listened to it, it did sound like Badfinger. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so, yeah. Uh, so we thought, well, okay, yeah, let's do it. And so we did it. Nobody said anything, so we did it. Yeah, yeah. Of course, a couple of years later, uh, we did the uh, with the uh, Say No More album, and at that point, it was pretty much established that Tommy and I had the Bad Finger Band. Right. Yeah. And so it just was enough to, to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you've continued to tour all over the world as That's Bad Finger. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you also have your latest album out or CD uh, called Return to Memphis. So uh, yeah, yeah. Give us a little idea of what that one that, that's a different sound for you I, I understand oh yeah it is completely different yeah I uh, I happened to go to Memphis about three years ago two, I think 2010-2011 I did a session for um, a friend of mine down there and we did it at this place called Royal Studios which uh, was Willie Mitchell's old studio uh, where he'd recorded people like Al Green and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know uh, and Peebles and B.B. Uh, King had recorded there, loads and loads of rhythm and blues and blues artists. And it had been going since the 50s. Anyway, uh, it was for me, it was like going to some kind of magic place, a uh, little funky studio uh, down in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd listened the first, like I said before, the first album record that turned me on to playing uh, was Bruce Wayne Shoes. You know, which came right out of Memphis. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, uh, and then, since then, a lot of my favorite artists had come out of Memphis. You know, all the stack stuff. Uh, right. uh, and the chess records artists. Uh, all out of Memphis. And so I was a big fan of the city. And then to go there and record at this place, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, gosh, I forgot the name of the studio now. Royal Studios. And... Uh, to, to actually do some recording there, and it just made me mind up to go there to make a record. And so I did the deal with the uh, Royal, went down, and uh, used all Memphis musicians, 
a Memphis producer, and just kind of swam up and down in their waters for a while, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I tried to be, uh, tried to just fit in with them rather than have them trying to do this kind of Liverpool, Memphis thing or something. Right. Uh, um, I just decided to go in and play with them. Yep. And uh, that's what I did. And that's why the record sounds so different. It's just a little four-piece combo, including myself, and uh, and four girl singers yeah. wow. doing the harmonies and backups and stuff. Wrote all the songs. Um, and it's uh, I like it. It's a nice little record. It's it's very different to anything I've ever done. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It really worked out nice, I think. It's gotten great reviews all over the world. And it's kind of selling selling around the, the world a little bit here, a little bit there. Yeah. It's all good. I'm really kind of happy about the whole thing. Yeah. Well, where can, where can people get that? Well, I guess it's available on the digital outlets, you know, Amazon and all that stuff. iTunes. and uh, iTunes, yeah. And uh, it's available as a CD from uh, Amazon and, and retail outlets. Uh, uh, and you can you can pretty much just order it online, uh, direct. It's on a label called Gonzo, uh, um, which is out of uh, England. And I have a, um, I have a website, uh, badfingersite.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you can order the CD from there too. Yeah. Now, at badfinger.com, is can people find out where you're touring? Yes, it's actually badfingersite.com. Okay. By badfingersite.com. Okay. Yeah, somebody owns badfinger.com, and we don't really know who it is. Hmm. Uh, uh, it's one of those people who buy website names. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, you know they have it registered, and it's up in some answering machine in Vancouver or something, but. Uh, so it's badfingersite.com. It's all one word. Okay. All right. And, uh, yeah, all my dates are on the uh, album reviews. All the Badfinger records are available through it. Uh, stuff like T-shirts, you know, we, uh, we, have, we have things, um, you know, just available, really. Uh, Badfinger merchandise, uh, dates, films, TV shows, I guess, uh, interviews, hmm. uh, reviews of concerts. Wow. All of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now, with Return to Memphis, you mentioned that you, you did it at a historic studio. Do you feel that when you're at a studio with so much history, does that show up on your record, do you think? You know, does it does it inspire you? Yes, it does. Uh, I think so. Uh, uh, it certainly inspires the artist. Um, and the, the, hopefully that the music that you're doing uh, will inspire the people working there to get behind you because you can't do it by yourself you've got to have the engineers on your side they you know the producers have got to do it the musicians uh, uh they all have to get in it with you and i think uh, in my particular case that's what happened uh, they liked the songs because the songs were uh, they felt real songs uh, in terms of being you know valid mm-hmm. if you like not just uh, some kind of groove or something yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, something behind the song, and they enjoyed that, I believe. And uh, you know, it, it just is a is a great thing when you're in a studio like that. You're hearing stories about people coming in and doing their records there. And, you know, the whole atmosphere is is changed. I believe. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. Whether it's a pristine, beautiful studio or whether it's a uh, an old, run-down place. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, and most of them are somewhere in between those things. Uh, a lot of them are funky little rooms. 
Hmm. You know, uh, the old equipments in the corners, the old two-inch reels of tapes. Yeah. Uh, and, and quarter-inch masters all over the place. Hmm. Uh, uh, you know, they've generally moved the control room two or three times. They've generally done those kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, really is remarkable. Uh, you know what it's like when you go to a, an antique store, even. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just you get soaked up in it all of a sudden, and you're, and you're lost for a couple of hours, you know. Right, yeah. Uh, and it's the same kind of thing, uh you know, and as musicians and singers, songwriters ourselves, when we see tapes of, of, of uh, you know, you see an Al Green tape, you know, that's that's as near as damn it to being with Al Green, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 these guys are great. You know, the, you know what giant stars are like, how talented they are. And, you know, you just got to be in a room with them and you can feel it, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. all of that stuff comes to play. Yeah. All of those feelings, all those emotions come out, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'd have to say yeah in answer to your question. Yeah. Well, Joey, um, on Return to Memphis, uh, do you have a favorite song on there? Uh, my favorites, I have two or three, but uh, I love the opening track, Walk Out in the Rain. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> it's funny. There's a song called All I Ever Dreamed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a song called Hero, uh, and there's one called Still I Love You, uh, and I love I love all these songs for all all different uh, different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're not the rock and roll songs. Uh, uh, they're not big beat songs. They're just uh, I think good songs, and I'm hoping uh, that people enjoy them. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow, uh, Joey, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. Yes, sir. Taking us away from your music and everything else, when you relax, do you watch TV? And if you do, what are your favorite TV shows of now and of the past? And what are your favorite movies now and of the past? <laughs> well, you know what, uh, uh, my girlfriend and I, Mary, uh, uh, Mary and myself, uh, we like to watch uh, old movies, black and white movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and we love the film noirs. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, I like uh, a good sci-fi movie like an Aliens, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I love westerns, man. I'm a I'm a big western fan, and I, I've seen most of them two or three times now. You know, uh, uh, I do le- I, I do really like them. I read all Louis Lamour's stories and all that stuff. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so that's what I do with my time. Really, I watch a bit of telly. I watch a good movie. We love to go. Uh, Thrift store, uh, uh, you know, rummaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we love yard sailing uh, stuff. I'm walking my dog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Joey, I, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show, and I really appreciate you taking the time. People should go out and get your new CD, Return to Memphis. And, of course, go and listen and buy the old Badfinger songs, great albums. And, uh, you know, I thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. Oh, you're very welcome, and really, well, once again, thanks for picking me, and uh, a lot of people to talk to, I know. Uh, I'm loving it, I'm still enjoying my career, and thank you to the people there for supporting us, and supporting music, really. Uh, thanks very much. Hey, I want to thank Joey Mullins so much for taking the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond. I just love Badfinger music. It's just great stuff. If you get a chance, if you haven't heard it before, 
go and look it up. It's you know you can get it on the web and and everything and, and download it. And uh, there's all sorts of uh, great music on iTunes by them and uh, just great songs. And they got some fantastic albums. And he's got a new one out. It's Return to Memphis. And you got to check that one out too. And of course, uh, Joey is uh, touring with Badfinger, his Badfinger group, Joey Mullins Badfinger, is touring all over the place, so you might be in the area where he's playing. So check out his website, thebadfingersite.com, and check out all the information, and uh, you'll hear some great music. So, we've got a great lineup coming your way. We've got, uh, well, we're not going to get into that. It's uh, <laughs> it's late. We've had a, a long day here. So we're going to just let you know that uh, keep listening to On Screen and Beyond. Tell your friends if you've got a suggestion. Email it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I'll see about getting that person on for you. And if you're on Facebook, be sure to like us. If you're on uh uh, iTunes listening to this, uh, leave us a little review there. It'll help people. And of course, tell your friends about it. Tell them to go to onscreenandbeyond.com, check out all the things we have there, listen to all the episodes. We have over 316 fascinating guests that you can listen to, whether it's uh, Bob Barker or Taylor Lautner of Twilights and uh, just so many other ones. Uh, George Kennedy and Mickey Rooney, and, and it's just an amazing bunch. So check it out at onscreenandbeyond.com. Tell them to check it out. If you haven't listened to all of those episodes, listen to them because there are a lot of great people there. But that's a wrap for this week. And until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Take care.